persuaded him to throw up timber work for the railroad and go to bookkeeping for the mill company. Frank told me years afterward his object in staying was me. Yet up to that time, I had never spoken to him except when I had to, although he had won my respect and gratitude and all the families for what he did for Jane. He persuaded my mother and brothers to get a doctor of his choice to come and operate on her at home. Hospitals weren't so plentiful in those days. He said the doctor would operate for $25, and if he didn't cure her, he wouldn't charge anything. Jane begged so hard, Mother gave her consent. The day the plaster cast was taken off, she took her first step in five years and walked straight to Frank, her eyes full of tears. I will always think of you as the best man on earth. I have you to thank for my life, Frank said. No, it is the doctor you have to thank, not me. All the family but me crowded around Frank and the doctor. I slipped out to keep from thanking him, for something about him made me know he held himself above us, didn't want or need our thanks for all his kindness. I respected him more than ever, but disliked him more for now we were all under obligation to him, as I knew that operation had cost more than any $25. When I saw him slipping out a few minutes later, he was sick and looked so pale and lonely, but self-sufficient. Was the feeling that stirred in me for him hate, or was it love? Oh, no, not love. I was sure I didn't love him. Yet something seemed to say, it is fate and it will bind your life to his to the end of the trail. I wonder if that was love, and have wondered hundreds of times since. About that time, the mill was being enlarged. Work was pushing farther out into the woods, and Frank was taken on as assistant superintendent, in addition to his other work as bookkeeper. He was never very popular with the men. They thought him a big-headed dude, a man of mystery, for the simple reason that he stood for no interference and tended to his own business. He was polite to everyone, but claimed no friends. My oldest brother, Billy, held a good job and made good money. Sam, my next brother, had a better job than Billy's and made more money, but wasn't steady, didn't work regular. He had a small crop of wild oats to sow and never let his work interfere with his oat sowing, so we couldn't depend on him for much. But we were able to live now without keeping borders, and as that left me very little to do, Mother sent me back to her old home in Illinois to go to school. When I got there and saw how far behind others my age I was, I wouldn't go to school but went to work instead for a cousin of mine in her dressmaking and tailoring shop to learn the trade. Up to the time I left, Frank and I had been cool and polite to each other, but we were not friends. So I was surprised when I got a letter from him soon after I got to Illinois. Just a nice, friendly letter telling me all the news about his work and how they all missed me, especially my baby brother Johnny, who was just six. In it. Frank said how sorry he was that I wasn't going to school. 
Important as it made me feel to think that proud Frank Hamilton would write to me, that part about my not going to school made me mad. He was no friend of mine, and it was none of his business. When I answered his letter, I didn't mention school. As the months went by, I got a letter from him every week. I never wanted to see or talk to him again, but I was glad to get his letters. Three months from the time I left Arkansas, I got a telegram saying my mother and Billy were dying of pneumonia and to come home at once. My brother died two days after I got there, and my mother followed him in just one week. But before they died, they each begged a promise from me. When I first went in the room to see Billy, dying quietly so mother in the next room wouldn't know it, he sent the others out and said to me straight out, Mary, I am dying, and my death will kill our mother. If Sam was a steady boy, you could keep